So a few months ago, just a few days after the Oscars, uh, Jill and Alex joined me on Rattling the Stars to celebrate 30 years of the 1989 horror film, The Phantom of the Opera. So now it's June 2020. To say things have changed (laughs) since we last talked would be an understatement. But one thing that has not changed is how amazing this film is. But also that we get to reunite the love triangle from the film by welcoming the Phantom himself. So, hi, Robert. Welcome to the conversation. (laughs) Thank you. Hello to Alex, the other man in my triangle. (laughs) Hi, Robert. (laughs) You know, there there were so many comments that I got via email from a lot of listeners who really appreciate this film and are Phantom fans through and through. So um, it was just great that we could get this together today. And one of my first questions for everybody, and we could start with Robert in answering, is how early in the production did you hear about the film and possibly read the script? Uh, as my pathetic memory recollects. Uh, I had a a several picture deal uh, with uh, the producers. Um, They were the sort of first producers, Menachem Golem and uh, his Golan and his uh, associates, 21st century, uh, with the success of the Nightmare on Elm Street films, they were sort of the first group of producers that wanted to exploit my sort of horror legs, uh, as we say in the business. And so they, I think they offered me a two or three picture deal. Uh, I don't know if Jill or Alex remembers the company at that time, but I think they had just produced uh, the Meryl Streep film, Dingo's Got My Baby, which had a lot of critical acclaim, you know, yeah. Yeah. and The Missing Child, right. true story in Australia. And they also had signed Dustin Hoffman for something. And I believe uh, that they publicized that prematurely and he wound up suing them, which I think even affected our budget a bit over in Hungary. Uh, Mm. But I saw two scripts. I saw our script and I saw a follow-up script called The Phantom in Manhattan. And so the, the Phantom project for me would have been two movies. Plus there was some other horror scripts that were used to entice me. But Phantom of the Opera, you have to understand anytime as an actor, and Alex knows this and Jill knows this, when we're offered parts that uh, other famous actors have played, sort of a no-brainer to say yes to Phantom of the Opera because you'll always be mentioned in the same breath as Lon Chaney Sr., as Claude Rains, as Julian Sands, uh, 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 Herbert Lom, all the other actors who portrayed the part. So that's also uh, a kind of a lure. But I did like the script a lot, and I like the idea that Dwight Little wanted us to be a kind of hammer film, a kind of reaction to what Phantom of the Opera meant to everybody in 1989, which was uh, Michael Crawford and all singing, all dancing musical uh, on the West End and on Broadway, uh, and uh, obviously on tour, an an international hit. But there was a whole generation that had sort of thought Phantom of the Opera was this sort of romantic musical. And Dwight and I sort of wanted to flip it and remind people that it's the roots of Phantom of the Opera were like a Stephen King bestseller by Gaston LaRue, 
which was an international bestseller, the book Phantom of the Opera, and uh, that it was much darker. And so we transposed it from the Paris Opera uh, to the London Opera uh, of the millennia, of, of, of the decade of Jack the Ripper. Robert, can you hear me? Yeah, I can see you too. I knew Herbert Lom. Ah, did and he I work? I know Julian Sands. And I know Julian Sands. You don't have to add Julian to that fine oh, company. Actually. You're okay with the Cheneys and the and oh. uh, Claude Rains and Lomsky. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 I'd put Robert England in there before Julian, but I mean, you know, nothing I, wrong with it. But you know that I, I believe that was a lot of gentle film, and I'm a fan of Dario's, but I, I'm also a fan of Julian's yeah. way back. Also, no, no, Jensen, Jensen. Yeah, Julian's a lovely. He's a lovely fella. All right. He's done well. Um, no, but Robert's absolutely right. So uh, go back. I just wanted to say hi to Robert and that I knew Lomsky quite, quite well. My dad was um, quite a raconteur British actor of that era. And Lomsky was one of his good friends. And um, he reminded me that he was part of that, of that um, canon. I, I, I had forgotten that. Yeah, well, Herbert Lom, I always thought of as a dark character type. And then yeah. he did all the Blake Edwards films where he mm. got yeah, so silly. With, yeah, and, and, with sellers. And yeah. It was a wonderful farceur. As, as you are, too. I mean, really, if you want to be. I, I, you know, it's a strange thing that's happened to my career. And these things happen to all of us in different ways. But I began doing almost exclusively comedy. Uh, yeah, I bet. In the theater. But I was so quickly typed differently in Hollywood. Like we all know now. Uh, we wish Jill had done half a dozen uh, off-Broadway musicals with her fabulous yeah. singing voice. Um, so but sweet. Jill, it was tight yeah. because of her beauty in another way, too, as a sort of, of you know, not femme fatale, uh, but the sort of the beautiful girl in Jeopardy. And uh, it, it's just a kind of uh, the way Hollywood sees you. You know, you can't really control it. You can try. Uh, but that can be kind of frustrating. We all know that. <laughs> you know, sometimes, yes. sometimes, sometimes we're we're ahead of the time. If you're, if we're lucky, a if we're lucky as working actors, sometimes we're slightly ahead of the time. Sometimes we're slightly behind the time. And I think that version of Phantom, as you lay lay out as Menachem's attempt to sort of um, be classy and budget conscious at the same time. You know, it was very glamorous film, and um, the um, the photo stills that are going around, some of them, they look like MGM golden era stills, you know, and I don't <laughs> think that, that that would have happened had it been, been done many years later, you know? It, it has one, one foot in the old style, I suppose, you know what I mean? Well, I remember driving with my driver. I think Jill was in the back seat. And we drove out to the, the sound stage. Uh, Your ma film. Yeah. I got, I got my, my daughter film. Uh, and walking on that sound stage, and they had just finished Three Penny Opera with right. Ralph yeah, and, uh, uh, oh, God, the wonderful English actress. I'm forgetting her name now. Help me, Alex. Um, uh, uh, actress. Uh, but also, she was Polly Peachum or something. But And also... Roger Daltrey. Roger Daltrey, yeah. But that was a magnificent set. Do you remember walking on the set with horses and oh, yeah. London yeah. caps and earthen streets and cobblestones? It was just, I, I and, and, and I, it, it, I had the exact same reaction 
that you just mentioned, Alex. I felt like I'd gone back into a time machine. Yes, I agree. I'm seconding all of that. And Robert, by the way, for someone that says that their memory isn't very good, <laughs> yours is stellar. <laughs> well, I will, I will ask a gossipy story of you two because I can't remember who accompanied me. But I remember a night in Budapest at a German gambling casino with Bill Nye. Oh, yeah. With Bill, Bill Nye. Nye, yes. The old Bill Nye. We yeah. went quite late. And I remember that the German dealers were, when they shuffled, the cards would pop, which is a sure sign that they're not dealing from the top of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I also remember a night, I think Jill accompanied us with Nancy, perhaps you, but it was again on the other side of the river, old Buddha. Right. Uh, yeah. We went behind tattered, uh, long, heavy velvet curtains inside one of those cold traps uh, in the foyer by a front door. And through these drapes, we were in uh, a turn of the century home. And the hostesses in this restaurant were like the Gabor sisters. And oh, wow. Jill sitting there with a flute of champagne and this <laughs> buxom hostess came up and in front of Jill, she held this massive fish from the Danube. Do you remember that, Jill? <laughs> I do remember the experience. I don't remember the fish. Oh God, <laughs> I, I mean, such strange memory. I mean, there's lots of memories that will come back now that I, I'm, I'm seeing you two, but Harry Allen Towers uh, right. kidnapped me one night to a KGB bar. And, nice. and I remember that it was KGB agents and young Russian soldiers dancing with prostitutes and to Johnny Mathis songs, <laughs> which is sort of like my junior high school memory without the KGB <laughs> and prostitutes, wow. obviously. But at the, at, after, yeah, drinking, after drinking several carafes of Tokay, uh, we stumbled out onto the streets late at night. And as we walked away, Harry pushed me into a doorway. And it was very third man, uh, Alex. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and he pushed me into this doorway. And we literally saw one of the people we had been uh, hanging out with uh, mm -hmm. at this cabaret, get thrown into a car uh, by men in trench coats. It was, oh, wow. it was so yeah. war. Do you guys remember? We were right there on the cusp of yes. right there. Yeah. yeah. That makes me question how, how did they keep you guys safe during this entire thing? They paid somebody. I, I guess. Harry, I, I never Harry saw I had a driver who was sort of like Steve McQueen, but I never saw yeah. our protection. And we were so young and it was so exciting for us to be yeah. in this amazing historical city that I think all three of us, once we got out of the hotel bar, you know, we were all exploring in our own ways. Let me just tell one more because I'm afraid this memory will go away. But we, I was in that little tiny, we all had those funny little uh, silly Euro uh, caravans, trailers for dressing rooms. Yeah. 
And I mean, you couldn't stand up all the way if you were Alex is taller than I am. Alex knows you could barely stand up all the way in those. But I was parked in old Buddha one day and God, they were doing a huge opera scene. And I'm sure, Alex, you had many, many scenes that day. And so did Jill. I think I just had one scene uh, that day. But so I sat and I sat and I sat in my little caravan because I was in the full phantom makeup. And I looked through my little window, my little porthole in the in the trailer, and I watched all of these ancient Bentleys and Duesenbergs and Mercedes pull up to a church across the square from where we were shooting the opera sequences with that stairway. And it was the last of the Hopsburgs coming to a funeral. Oh, wow. And he got wow. out car and he was like six foot four and he looked like a vampire i mean his skin hadn't seen sunlight but he had yeah. the aristocratic nose the aquiline profile and 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 uh, he literally had a little small cape thing to keep the, the 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 moisture the rain the dew off of him i think it was drizzling but that's just me sitting in makeup when oh. alex and, and 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 jill to do a love scene and I'm, but because I was outside, you know, sequestered in my little trailer, I saw that moment of time, that last little brief moment. And I'll, I'll always remember that because I had it explained to me uh, by somebody on the crew what was going on there. Um, but we, we just had all kinds of experiences like that. Oh, well, that's fantastic, Robert. That's a fantastic story. I think the old Buddha section was still more westernized wasn't it um that's why the 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 gambling casino was in the hilton hotel yeah. on the west side of the river you know going back to roman times that the danube was the dividing line in, between the empires wasn't it and uh, it's still there was a division in the city i think that, uh, to that that the western was maybe like vienna after the war that the western quarter you know was that buddha section well, Alex, you also have a greater sense of history and better schooling than I do. But I remember you. Right. I remember you being real excited when we first got there. And we were somewhere, and you were showing me bullet holes from the oh. Germans. I remember you pointing them oh, to wow. me on a I wall. Think, I, think, I think my driver had pointed them out then, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. World War II bullet holes or, or Hungarian yeah. Revolution bullet holes. I'm not sure which. Yeah. They were from the Soviets. Yeah. But I remember you showing me bullet holes in this facade of an old building and going oh my god and then all the english actors invaded and boy did things change <laughs> <laughs> and i've worked i've worked many times now in europe uh dozens yeah. and dozens of movies there and many times in the uk and the thing i learned on phantom of the opera uh, about my british compatriots is they they feel compelled to spend all their per diem every night. <laughs> every night. Every night. And the day. If they got a night shoot, be careful in the day. Yeah. Yes. Oh. But I was at uh, a New York convention several years ago. And I love doing it because then Nancy and I always stay for a couple of days. Yeah, sure. A hotel in New York. And we see a couple of plays. And I ran into, and I'm going to forget his last name, uh, Perhaps somebody there can reference this last name. Mark, I want to say Davis, but he I, I, I decapitated him. The Phantom decapitated him. He played my my Cockney adversary 
in one of the action sequences. And Mark, Mark had also been the Che Guevara character in the West End production of Evita with Whoa. Stephanie, our diva. Oh, right. yeah. Stephanie Lawrence, yeah. yeah. Mark, Mark Ryan is his name, and I Mark, think Stephanie Mark Lawrence. Ryan. I ran into Mark, and I'd heard Good. stories from Stephanie. Mark was, if you guys remember, Mark was a beautiful, beautiful guy, really good-looking guy, uh, and the camera loved him. But I'd heard a story from Stephanie uh, that his weight went up and down. You know, and that was a challenge for him. But, you know, he was thin and muscular and beautiful when he worked with us. And uh, and I and I was impressed that he'd done West End musicals and apparently even contributed to some. And I thought of him as a real theater man and uh, and, and musical man. And I ran into him in New York and mm-hmm. he, he had a couple of drinks uh, in, uh, I'm trying to think where we were, we were, uh, somewhere in New Jersey. And, uh, I ran into him and we were talking and catching up like we are now. And he told me that he had been with MI5 or MI6 at one time, I believe hmm. early in his career. And that when nine 11 occurred, he was one of the first people flown over to consult, uh, with wow. the Pentagon and everything he was so knowledgeable about you know i mean you know the the british have that kind of domino sense of of uh of families and of of the middle east post uh lawrence of arabia uh you know they have a better sense of that history and what was going on there before you know our, our misadventure in iraq and uh he was part of all of that apparently and he was he was brought over to uh, to Washington, and I never knew that about Mark. I because I always thought of Mark, you know, as kind of like I don't kind of like the Sondheim of Hampstead Heath or something. I didn't. I yeah. thought him was like this Cold War experter on the Middle East or you know, any of that. God, it was so funny. Yeah. Mark, That's yeah, Mark, 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 he was with us a lot. If you guys remember, we. Yeah. we with Mark a lot in, in Hungary. So it sounds like the cast, you guys all were pretty much together even offset too. So you spent a lot of time together. Do you remember whether or not there were additional scenes added to the script because of how well each one of you were working off of one another? Because it seemed like everybody meshed so well together on screen. I think Jill and, and Alec, I think you guys had some changes at least, if not add additions, right? Or, did, or were those? Yeah, I can't remember. I, I don't remember that either. No, I think we pretty much just shot the script as it was, yeah. to my recollection. It, I, you know. I, well, there's something that I remember about Dwight. I remember something about Dwight. I got some time off that I wasn't expecting. And I think it's maybe, maybe they were just rewrites for you two. Uh, I think they might have yeah. been. Maybe they just did regress. I just vaguely remember that. You know, most of my my memory about the project was this great follow-up script that brought the Phantom mm-hmm. Eric Dessler into uh, 20th century New York at the end of the mm-hmm. uh, and 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 placed him there, living uh, in an abandoned robber baron's carriage car in an abandoned subway tunnel. 
uh, beneath the city of Manhattan. That would have been fun. Yeah, and he hears the voice of a girl, a blind girl singing, a busker singing right. uh, subway patrons in a, in a subway station beneath the ground, and it inspires him to write his opera because her voice is his inspiration, and she's blind. And when he gives her his material, she sings it at, at, at an audition at Met. And she gets in the Met and she becomes a cause salib. And uh, mm. they fix her eyesight. They correct her vision. She has wow. major surgery. And I think the last image of the movie is me prying open a manhole cover on Fifth Avenue. And I descend back to the depths of Manhattan because I don't want the girl to see my disfigured face. She's never seen because obviously she's blind. But that was this sort of double bill that I was offered and enticed with, you know, and uh, there would have been flashbacks too to our film. They would have used flashbacks to our film, which means, hey, more checks for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> did they, how, how did they pursue that, Robert, after the film came out or did that just you disappear? Guys, you may remember this better than I did because there were some construction problems, but 21st century disbanded. Um, yes. Because there were problems within that family. Uh, I think they were cousins. And, uh, you know, they had, they, you know, they had been doing so well for so long. Uh, Golden Globus. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think there was problems with the cousins and they split because I did have another deal and that went it, that went away. And uh, I had I actually did do another project over in Israel for them as well. Yeah. Did Menachem direct? No, it was. It's strange because they were moving into those sort of uh, post-apocalyptic films. There was they had some great backlots in near Jerusalem, but they brought me over there for the film, uh, and I was doing it because of the ex-husband of Vanessa Redgrave, uh, the wonderful director of Tom Jones. I can't think of his name now. Um, yeah, um, Richardson, Tony Richardson. Richardson. Tony Richardson's. <clears throat> First AD for all of his films was set to direct. And I just imagined all of these great cocktail hours with him, you know, uh, <laughs> all these great stories about Tony Richardson and, and that, that great moment of time in 60s independent filmmaking. Yes. Of course, that, that, that he was taken off that to replace a movie where Anthony Perkins had passed away. So we lost him. I brought Toby Hooper into the project uh mm. we also had again uh we had our uh, our budget greatly reduced so it was uh, yeah. a, a less than a, a, a profitable uh adventure but but that was part of that package with them i did a film a couple of years after phantom in georgia a small film after i guess menachem had yeah. consolidated but he actually directed it it was a it was an abortion drama in in set in just outside of Atlanta, and I, Robert, you no surprise, but he was a wonderful director because he was free of in that moment. It was like he was in the bubble, and yeah. he could do he could he could play in the sandbox, and he was a wonderful director. You knew you knew not to certainly not to cross him, but even the way that you would maybe want to have a dialogue, it had to be sort of a certain way because of his imperial nature. 
but he was so bloody good at making a film and just constructing it on the set that it was a joy to see because in a way I think that you could in understand how infuriating a producer he could be because he so loved the actual process of making mm. the film, you know? Well, like the old school producers in the golden age and, uh, and, uh, and into the 1950s and 60s, uh, he did have that innate sense of what real we need to be in and when we need yes. some action and when we need yeah. some facts, mm -hmm. when we need yeah. to, to speed it up. He had that sense. You know, he wined and dined me in Los Angeles and he wined and dined me in London and he wined and dined me, obviously, uh, I, 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 obviously in Hungary or Tel Aviv, I can't remember which, but. No, he wasn't, he wasn't in Hungary much. He was probably Tel Aviv, yeah. Remember though, the great stories he had. He had great yeah. stories. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. We re and I realized, I don't think even, and I knew, I was familiar uh, with, with, with Golem Globus, but I, I think what I, I never realized the extent of, uh, uh, and the depth of, of their, their resume. You know, how, how much mm -hmm. they've really done a lot of films. I have a question for Jill. Yes. Jill, refresh me. Where did you do your, your, your dubbing and your singing? Do you remember? Did you go, did you work with, uh, I forget where you did that. Did you, you had to go I, somewhere else? You mean after or before yeah, the movie when we did the. first work in New York or in, <clears throat> uh, was it, I don't know if it was in, in Budapest or London or somewhere. All the, everything I did um, was With in Los singer. Angeles. I remember it being in Los Angeles after. Oh, you did that in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah, in Los Angeles. I, I thought you had to go work with, you know, somewhere foreign for that. Okay. Well, yeah. I had a question for Jill, actually, because we had talked about how, you know, Christine is such, you know, a, a wonderful heroine. And especially during the 90s, we really don't see the um, Scream Queen fighting back. You know what I mean? And she does at the end. But it's so interesting because the, the past couple of months, I've seen more comments about how people really appreciate the fact that this version doesn't romanticize the, the abuse that Phantom gives Christine and, and makes it a happy not, not, not technically a happy ending in the Broadway show, but it romanticizes the Phantom in a way that it's a little bit different. So this version does not. And um, I guess in this day and age, you know, it's a it's it's probably ahead of its time for taking it instead of just going with the love story. It's going with the no, we're not going to fall in love, and uh, <laughs> we're going to end this right now. So, what do you think about that now with everything that's going on in the world, especially including the Me Too movement in, involved? Instead of falling for the Phantom, it's um, defeating the Phantom. Well, I mean, for me at the time, and you know, uh, of course, I haven't worked in years, and I always find it fascinating that people call me a scream queen. I did scream in Phantom of the Opera, but I was never that girl. And all the um, movies that I ever did, I always had that same result: being the heroine that uh, confronted the these, you know, the villains, overcame them. Uh, either by killing them or just somehow confronted them and, and uh, overcame that, the victim status of, you know, your normal scream queen. So 
I've always held pride in that, even going back to the 80s and the early 90s when I was working, um, that the characters I played did that. I think in Phantom in the script, like looking back at it, at that time for me, I wasn't uh, very developed in my thinking and in my emotions about uh really considering scripts and the parts and the depth of them and how the roller coaster ride they went on. And I wish I had been a little bit more with Phantom because in retrospect, I think the very element that you're talking about, Christine, there could have been more of that. There, that, that part of her could have been hinted at and should have probably been hinted at within her character earlier on because she does kind of go from zero to a hundred with that a little bit, you know, um, I don't in, in looking at it, if those, the lines that she said towards the beginning of the film, uh, to be critical, <laughs> I would say that she did not come across necessarily as the brightest person. She really wasn't in touch with that towards the beginning. Now, you know, I'd have to look deeper into it to really get a take on it. But, um, you know, she definitely arrived to a place where she stood up for herself. And I wish there was more of that going on for a very, very long time in film. Long, long time. Instead of doing the typical mask, it's it's really a, a human flesh. <laughs> as the mask. So talk about how you guys got into that. There's a scene where the human flesh restores the disfigured side of my face. And that seam is intentional. That's the phantom stitching. And it, if you look carefully, those stitches, that seam replicates the mask from, from the Broadway musical. It's that half right. face. Uh, it's a cool. little nod from Kevin Yeager. Um, but I wanted to get this in because it's sort of, out, it's not out of left field, but I, I always feel I should say this, uh, you know, when, when Jill got the role, I was so pleased. Uh, she and Cynthia Nixon, it had gone down to the wire with Jill and Cynthia Nixon. And, uh, you know, my vote was for Jill because as much as I'm a fan of Cynthia Nixon's, she had her hair, she looked like. Alice in Wonderland there. She had straight blonde hair parted down the middle that went down to her uh, her middle of her back. And Jill being a brunette and with Jill's lovely peaches and cream complexion, Jill was just was the embodiment of how I imagine Christine to look. I think Christine must be a brunette. But also... That's sweet. Thank you for well, that. That's very sweet. That Jill, you know, be, you know being, a, being a Hollywood guy, I had known... Uh, you know, that Jill had just had two of the most amazing leading men in a row, Keanu Reeves and then Brad Pitt with, with Cutting Class. So I'm always able to say now, Jill, that I, I shared a leading lady with Brad and Keanu. <laughs> yeah. you, know, I, you, give me, you give me leading lady cred, Jill. Thank you. Thank you I went swimming with I went swimming with Brad Pitt. Oh, my God. Well, I'm... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I also have to say that Jill stars in one of, and I mean this, this is absolutely sincere, one of my favorite horror films, uh, uh, a thriller, 
if you will, which is the stepfather. And we were talking about the fans of Phantom of the Opera. And I think it's fair to say uh, that Phantom of the Opera is, is a qualified success. Our film made money. Uh, it took a while, but it was a huge, huge success on DVD. And then on, on cable and late night television, it developed a cult following. So now it has cult status. Uh, and I have several films like that, Beyond the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, several others which have achieved this kind of cult status. Jill has a couple of those too. And uh, they're great because what happens with cult films is they continually find a new audience. Yes. They get and, better over time. Yeah. Yes. And one of the things that we forget here in the States, it's like, you know, the Japanese culture is constantly changing the popular culture. They have the little beautiful idol girls that constantly are changing every six months or so. It's sort of like the flavor of the week. And American culture does that a bit too, uh, not as rapidly as the Japanese or even English popular music, but um, the rest of the world relishes their popular culture longer. And I've been in Italy, in Milan, and I've been mobbed as recently as a year and a half ago by goth girls. The goth wow. is still alive and well in Italy. They, they, they like it, they take it seriously. It pairs up with music and fashion. And I've been mobbed in Barcelona and Madrid by goth girls and in Germany and in Sweden, in Stockholm. Uh, I even had a goth groupie, and they are all, none of them are Nightmare on Elm Street fan. Well, they, they are, but they're not Nightmare on Elm Street groupies. They're Phantom of the Opera group. They love it. Wow. They absolutely love it. And it's that strange, dark, sexual, violent, and romantic combination yes. that they're attracted to. Uh, and again, I think that's, gosh, I, that was not my idea at all. That was Dwight. Dwight really wanted to do an homage to the Hammer films. Again, that's the kind of eroticism that Hammer was playing with. It's really there with a saturated color, much like the lurid, the lurid science fiction sci-fi pocketbooks of the 1950s and 60s, the covers on them. There was a thing that just appealed to uh, 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 adolescent males all over the world. And, and I think that we also triggered that, but in a strange way uh, for, the, for the goth female uh, a portion of the audience. I think we are really celebrated our film. And I know you guys know that, but it's, I, I take it very seriously because over the years, I've encountered those fans a lot. And it's really an amazing number of fans that cherish our movie on that whole sort of celebrated goth level. It, well, it's pretty amazing it's been 30 years. But what, what do you guys, what would you like to say to the fans themselves um, about this film overall and being able to come and see some of you at some of the Comic-Cons? You know, what would you like to tell them on the 30th anniversary of this film? Well, I have Let some me... interesting stuff coming out. Uh, I'm, obviously, COVID has paused one of them, and I'm not allowed to divulge, I'm on an NDA. But uh, suffice to say, it's very fan-oriented, and it's 
it's on cable. Netflix? No, I didn't say that yet. But it it, it will be it will be uh, <clears throat> accomplished soon, and I believe you'll see it either at the end of this year or early next year. And then also, I have a show on uh, a Travel Channel now called True Terror, so fans can can see me there. But I think the Phantom fans should watch it because for them, it's probably the closest they'll get to a recreation of the golden era of the Hammer Horror. Uh, I think it's wonderfully cast. I think our film is wonderfully, wonderfully cast. Alex and, 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 and you know, Alice, Alex and Jill and Bill, Nighy and, and, and Stephanie. And we were talking about Mark earlier, but, but also, I mean, Jill personifies Christine for me. She, you know, and I listen, I have a huge crush on Emmy Rossum, but Jill, you will always be my personification of Christine. You guys were talking about Comic-Cons and fans, and I, I throw this out to both uh, Alec and Jill, and I've seen Jill occasionally at some of the convention, but I have found, I have signed extraordinary European posters of our film. Wow. One of them... Mm was the curtain, the proscenium curtains of the opera. And then mm -hmm. in the middle of it is my face in the mask of death. And that large, you know, Coco Chanel hat I had on. And then down in the right-hand quadrant of the proscenium is Alex and Jill in an embrace. And you guys look like Jeanette McDonald and Nelson Eddy look very, very old fashioned. Yeah. But the poster is circus size. And it's extraordinary. Yeah, wow. Wow. You need this in your man cave, Jill. I know you need this in your screening yeah. room. <laughs> but wow. it's, and I've shown Jill another one. There's another one that's just Jill. Uh, there's a great French one of me. Uh, that that's terrific, but I keep finding new ones. I ran into this woman from Brussels, the French woman, who's an extraordinary collector. Uh, I actually got an original James Bond from Russia with love of the fight scene with Robert Shaw and Sean Connery in the train compartment. But I'm telling both of you because we are having a reunion here, and any fans that see this that want to reach out to to I've got mine. But if they want to reach out to, to, to Alec or to uh, uh, Jill, there is a couple of extraordinary European posters of Phantom of the Opera. And both of you should seek them out. You know, we're not getting any younger and it's OK to be a little va vain and, uh, you know, go out there and have one of these framed nicely and put it up in the man cave because they are really special and i've seen oh, cool three or four of them alec three or four of them jill awesome uh, and i know you two would like them. well i can't thank I you guess, guys I enough think... for being on the show this has been so much fun and i really hope they do give you guys all three of you an in-person reunion at some time when this is all blown over so thank well, you guys so much set it up set it up tara set it up you can be our you can be yeah. our uh, producer I, I, of it. set it up you <laughs> do, think, you, thank alec, you for keeping this this alive quick. yeah alec i uh, jill I yeah. think we have missed, I think there was an effort, and I think that there will be another one to have us screened 
at one of at one at one of the film festivals. I know there was an effort to have us screened at the Sitches special in Spain. It's like twenty minutes. It's like the Malibu of Barcelona. But I oh, I lovely. promise you, if that happens, I will wine and dine you guys until your eyes are crossed, because it's a fabulous yeah. festival. But I know that's coming up. I think it one of them was postponed, or they couldn't find you, Alec, or they couldn't find Dwight or Dwight had to cancel at the last minute or something. But I know some of the, that's been in the works recently, as in the last five years, and I'm sure it will happen again. So we all need to have our radar tuned for that, okay? Yeah. Uh, that'd be yeah. lovely. Absolutely. Right. Wonderful lovely. memories. Fun. Okay. Love to, love to, to, love to get everybody. together proper.